0: Hey, David. Hey, Graham. Last night I stayed up. I stayed up all night trying to figure oh, no. out where the sun was. But <laughs> then it dawned on me.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, well, I know. That's all the time we have for this week <laughs> on Winnie Wendell. <laughs> uh, okay. I mean, so, L, oh, by the way, let
0: I, I thought. I thought instead of, you know, maybe we'll mix things up. Instead of just doing a 10-point scale, let's do a okay. 100-point scale because I think we can be a little more accurate with 100 uh, points.
2: 100-point scale?
0: Yeah, so out of 100 instead of just out of 10.
2: Okay, let's do this then. Let's both tell our jokes this time and then grade them. Why? Context. <laughs> <laughs> all right, tell your joke. Okay, what do you call a duck that gets all A's? A duck that
0: gets all A's.
2: Yeah. I don't know. A wise quacker. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So do you wanna do you wanna rate mine first? How about at the same time we go three, two, one and then we both say the say our scores. So it's okay. out of hundred, right? Yes. Okay. Three, two, one. Fifty-four. Thirty-two. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all the time we have on with You, Wendell this week.
0: <laughs> uh, I think we should move back to the ten point scale. This hundred point thing, terrible idea.
2: So five point four and three point two. Yeah, there we go. That now makes I feel better. Uh, enough of the nonsense. Let's get on with the nonsense. <laughs> Welcome back to Withy Windall, a whimsical interactive show for kids who love stories, words, and grown-worthy jokes featuring your favorite authors and illustrators. It's part book club, part game show, and it's your weekly adventure through the wild world of wordplay. I am David Curran. And I am Graham Pittman. And on this week's episode, it can only get better from here, actually. And on this week's episode, we had a great time chatting with Ben Hadkey. You probably know him from as the author of Zeta the Space Girl and Mighty Jack and other great graphic novels that are part of those series. We also will be talking about Charlotte's Web. We're going to talk about the end of the book, Graham.
0: Yeah, I know. It's already here.
2: It feels like we just started. What We'll talk about this later, but what what's one word you would use to describe the last four chapters of Charlotte's Web?
0: Oh, it's a no. good question. Perfect.
2: Perfect. Ooh, that's, all right. Well, okay. <laughs> we'll talk about that. We'll talk about why this ending is perfect in a few minutes. Of course, at the end of the show, we are going to do riddle time. Now, sadly, this will be our last riddle time for this season because next week when we do our episode, well, it's the end of the season. We're going to be talking, doing a Q&A, and we're going to have S.D. Smith on. But because it's the end of the episode, we're going to tell you the answer to this week's riddle, but not give you a new one because, well, it's the end of the season. Yeah, so we'll, we'll talk, talk about it. that later. Before that, though, we're going to talk about snack time. And of course, tell you about our friends at The Green Writer. Graham, we've talked about it, just a little bit of review. Do you, do you recall the two words to describe the what what the green writer equips people to be mm-hmm.
0: uh, that would be to grow and to go, but maybe not in that order. I think it's to go and to grow.
2: That's true. It is, and you know, every now and then I ask you a question, and you remember something, and I'm reminded. That your memory hasn't completely faded. The Green Writer is an accessible <laughs> online course that encourages and equips aspiring authors of all ages to as Graham did so keenly remember, go and grow. Green writers are going, they have a green light, they aren't waiting for permission or until the fear is gone or the muse strikes. Green writers go and green writers are growing. Also as Graham remembered, like a green living thing, they're alive, not yet what they will become. They're becoming writers who create and share generous do you remember what the other word for this is, Graham? Uh, Generous and and,
0: and and fantastical.
2: Hmm. Now I'm in d- I have doubt of your memory again. Oh. Excellent, Graham. Excellent. Generous and excellent work. Got so it. if you want to go and grow as a writer, join beloved S.D. Smith and become a Green Writer. You can do this over at greenwriter.sdsmith.com. And the great thing is they have free sample sessions or you can use the code WITHYWINDLE. That's W-I-T-H-Y-W-I-N-D-L-E. You can enter that code there and you can get 10% off the program. And then you can join Graham and Rowan Pittman and just like them become going and growing green writers. Graham, how is that going so far? It's going very well.
0: I'm, I, I love seeing what Rowan's coming up with. And yeah, we're big fans of this program. Not this program so, as in this podcast. But as in SD, SD Samuel Dennison Smith's green right hair.
2: Samuel Dennison Smithertons, Graham. Oh, sorry. Yes. <laughs> once again, your memory. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're really grateful to them for sponsoring this season. And once again, you can go to greenrider.stsmiths.com, get a free sample, and then use that code with withywindle to get 10% off. So, you know what that brings us to, Graham? Can you remember that much? Time snacks. Oh, snack time. Right. Snack time. Snack time. And uh, what, what gram are you snacking on tonight? Or did you forget to bring a snack?
0: Oh, I did not forget to bring a snack. So <laughs> I have, there's a certain brand of chips that comes in a tube. Okay. And, and they have... Springles? Well, yeah. Okay. So I, but I don't have those. I have <laughs> oh, okay. a different tube chip <laughs> snack.
2: A tubular chip?
0: It's a different brand. Uh, so I've got those. They're salt and vinegar. And then in honor of your birthday, oh, Logan put a little happy birthday sound
2: effect here. Um, isn't that under, not, is it like that technically not in public domain? <laughs>
0: <laughs> what, the birthday song? Yeah. Yeah, he's not going to put the whole song. Just two oh, okay. seconds of happy birthday. Oh, Maybe okay. just
2: ha- right. the hat. Ha. Oh. Forgot the rest of the words.
0: I'm going to be snacking on your favorite uh, oh, cereal.
2: That is true. Which is Apple Jacks. It's true. I am an Apple Jacks fan.
0: But before I ask you what you're snacking on tonight, I also have Necco wafers. Oh, I haven't had a Necco every, wafer in
2: a long time.
0: Yeah, it's every child's, every 19th century child's favorite candy is the Necco wafer. So all those children from 1875 were going crazy <laughs> about these. Because, you know, such flavors as clove. Wait, really? Yeah. And Is the names of the flavors? Something that resembles chocolate, kind of. <laughs> uh, and then some different fruit ones. So if you guys haven't had Necco wafers, they're like a candy that's not good, um, but you can still buy it. And it's been around for a hundred years.
2: No. Not on like bit of honey.
0: It's been around since 1847 and they stopped wow. innovating then because they
2: perfected <laughs>
0: the chalk
2: based Mediocrity. <laughs>
0: Yeah, they're it's I, the perfection
2: of okay. 19th century mediocrity.
0: Uh I'm being very sarcastic about these, but I actually really like them. And I don't know if I like them because they're good or just some weird they they just Nostalgia. I don't know. Perhaps. I mean, I wasn't I'm not 150 per perhaps. Perhaps. perhaps, but um I do like neko wafers. And I and I uh I buy them like every other year. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> I like them so, so much I eat them once every seven hundred days.
0: Okay. So what are you snacking on tonight?
2: So do you have any superfoods over there? Well, I do. I've got I actually I have some pomegranates. Okay, yep, I see them. Got some pomegranate seed. Mm. Those are yummy like candy. Um, I have also I have a couple of saltine crackers. <laughs> Just plain saltine crackers. I don't know. Sometimes it hits the spot. It's a little very, salty. It's
0: it's very austere. Snack it's true. Time for
2: you. It's a good word. Hey, and you know what? I, I, it was kind of one of those things where I was walking out the door to come out to my workshop here, mm-hmm. and a kid had left a sleeve of them on the windowsill.
0: A sleeve
2: of saltine. Yeah, a sleeve of saltine crackers. see? Saltine sleeve. And they were sitting on the windowsill, and I thought to myself, what would Wilbur do?
0: Was there a mouse in a waistcoat? eating them when you walk in <laughs> well yeah
2: that what goes without saying though. Know. and then finally you mentioned my birthday and the very sweet person who works at our bookstore her name is katie uh, she made me banana bread for my birthday so she gave wow. it to me today when she came into work so i've got a warmed up slice of banana bread with butter on it it's delicious so shout out to katie
0: shout out I to all the if... katies of the world really <laughs>
2: yeah but yeah. that
0: one in particular yeah did the uh I don't oh, I was think wondering. she
2: listens, but her nieces and nephews might.
0: Oh. So I was Social wondering them too. I was wondering, uh, did the uh did the bookstore troll get you anything for your birthday?
2: Well, the thing about the bookstore troll is he has good intentions, I think. Okay. You think sometimes you have sometimes with people in your life, you it's just the you have to just accept that it's the thought that counts. The okay. troll the troll is not unlike that. He told yeah. me he had a present for me. It was going to be a surprise. It was going to be a great surprise. I was going to have to come down into the basement for it. Don't turn the lights on or anything because when Mm -hmm. I come down, although now that I'm thinking about it, maybe this wasn't going to be the most positive experience now that I'm saying it all out loud.
0: Uh Maybe it wasn't
2: a present surprise. You know what? I'll get back to you on that because if I survive, I'll let you know exactly what the troll had in mind when he... He's saying it so nicely though.
0: Yeah, I would... Uh, let me give you some advice. Okay. Don't do what
2: the troll tells you to do. Just in general, okay. Yeah. Well, but he was being so nice about it, and I thought maybe we turned a corner. But maybe he was gonna be friendly now. Well, you'll but- turn a
0: corner. You'll go. You'll go <laughs> down there and turn a corner.
2: Yeah, and then I won't turn the corner again. <laughs> <laughs> so well, so so far no. Just the uh, the promise of a of a great surprise. But I don't think I want to know what that surprise is. Mm. But, you know, speaking of surprises, you said that Charlotte's Web is perfect. And I was surprised that you said that, not because I don't think the ending is good, but because that's such a big word. So I think it's time that we uh, head over to, to book time. What do you What do you say?
0: Well, I'm going to finish these, this uh, sleeve of Necco wafers first.
2: Oh, okay, well, I'm, yeah, and I'm going to need some banana bread. So we'll be back in a minute. We're going to finish up our snack time, and then we'll be back to discuss why Graham thinks the Charlotte's Web ends perfectly. All right, and we are back, and it's time for Graham to defend his use of the word perfect to scribe the ending of Charlotte's Web. And I appreciate that you used the word perfect. I do think it's a great ending, but I like that you went bold and now you have to defend yourself. So let's talk about, the, let's talk about this ending and what makes it work so well. I have a couple questions for you, but I do want to hear your your, your Initial defense. thoughts? Yeah.
0: Um, okay. So you know how some books end with unanswered questions, mm-hmm. right? Some books end with cliffhangers. Some mm-hmm. books end with everything tied up in such a neat bow that seems almost unbelievable. Yeah. I feel like this book kind of skates between all of those things. Hmm. So we end the ending. Um, maybe we should do a short recap. Maybe not. Um, so, w- but we do, I mean, we have Charlotte, um, we've come to find out she's building her egg sac, And at the same time that she is dying. Um. And so we get this sense of joy and sadness, like really close together. And I think mm. I find that very interesting. Mm. And Wilbur has to kind of experience it as we do, as the reader. Um, so he's kind That's of react- uh, reacting as we are.
2: We have, so he kind of starts out as the object that we're watching by the end of it. We're almost like in his shoes as yeah. the readers.
0: Yeah. Mm. And we see a lot of growth in Wilbur. Yeah. And we see. Uh, i mean we've got we've got the death of charlotte and him having to process that we've got the new little spiders that uh turn out to be his friends and kind of carry on their mother's um i wouldn't say tradition but in a way wilbur is the one who's then teaching them about their mother since she's gone i i i feel like it's it's not a really like overly sappy ending yeah it's got a lot of like it's tinged with a lot of sadness and hope at the same time. Yeah. And we can go through a lot of details on that, but maybe we'll I'll just leave it there for now and we can kind of talk through some of the other things that happen.
2: Oh, yeah, and I also really like good.
0: I also like how Wilbur doesn't just win the prize. Right? Yeah. Like that that would have almost been too obvious. So he gets kind of the bronze medal, but he's still like the family's still very happy. And then some silly things happen too. Yeah. And everybody's, you know, they're having a good time.
2: Yeah. I like that he, that the that Excalibur B. White keeps things sort of consistent. So I was, I was going to say realistic, but it's, I mean, <laughs> it's not that realistic, but then at the same time, it's not realistic in the sense that the animals are talking, although, you know, who can say, but he keeps things consistent with how nature works, so he doesn't like make this spider who lives a hundred years or something. He keeps it to sort of the natural order of things. And the word I would probably use to describe it is melancholy. Mm-hmm. Um, do you do you know what melancholy means?
0: Yeah, something to do with like—is it watermelon or musk melon? It's one of those, right?
2: Musk melon—is that a thing?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's the <laughs> other word for that? Uh, uh like a honeydew? Yeah, kind of like a honeydew. Or a cantaloupe.
2: Though cantaloupe okay yeah wait where it's, do they call a musk melon i don't know where i grew up apparently <laughs> in like the middle of nowhere canada
0: yeah or maybe that's a whole other melon i i, I really don't i'm you know i'm not well versed i don't have my doctorate in melanology
2: <laughs> but it sounds like an interesting field of study but so it's consistent with the way the natural world works and that makes it a little bit sad a little bit melancholy it's not tragic but it's tinged with a little sadness, as he says. Oh, said. is That's that what melancholy means? Is. Yeah, it's kind of like that. Yeah.
0: Oh, so it's not that about that
2: melons to... or about collies.
0: Not, not about. Okay, not no fruit yeah. or dogs involved. No, Unless although you could sad. have a
2: melancholy dog.
0: Yeah, they could be, or a melancholy melon.
2: I suppose so. Although, how would a melon express melancholy?
0: I don't know. E.B. White would have to write a whole book <laughs> it's, about it,
2: though. That's <laughs> true, and so that because it sticks true to life. The natural order of things is kind of melancholy, you know, like look at the seasons. it's winter right now, and just the other day I was walking through the woods and I was looking at how a week or two ago the leaves were beautiful and up in the trees, and I was hearing birds like crazy, and then they kind of they kind of go away, and things die, and then things come back, and there's those seasons, and that's kind of a melancholy idea, mm-hmm. and maybe White sticks with that in this book. he doesn't do away with that or make it not realistic or try to make it in order to make it happy. he doesn't recreate the the order of the universe
0: yeah and you see that too that kind of um uh real realism realisticness uh with templeton too because i was wondering about his kind of Ah. character if you know charlotte would kind of temper him or, or change him throughout the book but really he even when he does his good deeds at the very end um, he does them out of like a selfishness.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um he's motivated it, by his gut.
0: And it yes, and it shows him I think even on like the second to last page, he's eating Wilbur's food as promised by Wilbur. Um he's And the sheep it. are
2: saying, you know, if you ate less you'd live longer. And he's like, I don't care. Yeah, I don't care.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but but it also shows Charlotte's wisdom to bring him along because she knew like he would be useful.
2: Yeah, that's true. He, she turns out to be very capable in many ways, not just that she can spell, mm-hmm. but you know, she really looks out for, for him. What surprised you the most about the ending to this book?
0: Uh, I don't really think there was anything that surprised me at, at the end of this book. Uh, what about you? Was there anything for you?
2: Well, I, I didn't realize kind of how Fern fades into the background.
0: Oh, that's good.
2: So yeah. you know, even when they're at the fair, she wants to go up on the Ferris wheel with Henry. And then Avery all of a sudden becomes kind of the key figure who seems to be befriending the animals and and all that.
0: Yeah, that's really good. And I did notice that. I mean, E.B. White makes it kind of obvious because it's like this culminating moment at the fair where the whole family gets gets called up on the on the megaphone on the, through the loudspeakers to come get this award special award for the pig, and she she's. She's kind of showing how she's growing up. She's got different interests now because she, at, even at that moment, she wants to go leave and and ends up leaving to go
2: do something else. Even that kind of plays into the melancholy thing, right? Like it's yeah. all the melancholy that she's moved on from things that she considers too childish because we still love these animals.
0: Yeah, I yes, I completely agree.
2: Okay, last question here from from me anyway. Do you think Charlotte is a hero? Yeah, I was thinking about that. Because she's not a hero in the way we would sometimes think of a hero, like Robin Hood or, you know, the knight in shining armor. But she does save Wilbur,
0: and she had no real reason or need to do that, except out of the goodness of her spider heart.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Yeah, she she didn't. She wasn't getting anything out of it other than, you know.
0: Yeah, wanting him to survive, but also wanting him to be better. She she was very patient with him throughout the whole book. She wanted to teach him things. She gave up her food source by making these words in her web. She didn't want to go to the fair because she was feeling so weak and ended up going. So she's yeah, that's the true. sacrificial figure throughout the whole thing. And she's confident even at the end that she's done a good job yeah. Um, yeah. and that he'll be fine and that's when she's ready to move on.
2: Do you um like if you look back at the whole book, what's your favorite scene? Favorite little moment?
0: Okay, so there's a lot of moments that I really like in this book and and a lot of them are in in these final chapters. And it might just yeah. be because I read them,
2: but the <laughs> just read the, it, yeah.
0: the basically the the goodbye between Wilbur and Charlotte I thought was very poignant where she's waving yeah. and then it says and then she never moves again. That's that's going to stick with me for a long time, but then moving back to kind of near the beginning, I really like when Wilbur first gets to the farm. Um, Oh yeah, and the pigs are encouraging. Or is it the pigs? No, no, the sheep. The sheep. They're encouraging him to go explore and get out and escape. And they have that whole chase where they're trying to capture him. (laughs) And he's. And then you're at the same time you're learning kind of all about the different animals and their
2: different personalities. What about you? Those are good parts. Well, I did really like the part at the end where after they get the the prize, the special prize, Avery's like dusting himself with water and everyone's oh, yeah, laughing, yeah. and he gets all into it. And uh, and and then um, I did. I also really liked the part when they first start seeing Charlotte's signs up, and uh, you know yeah. everyone's kind of freaking out and like thinking, "This is what's going on. This is crazy," and they're all just amazed. I love that I love that, and then they kind of get they kind of get used to it and expect more and more, and she has to live up to it,
0: yeah yeah, that's a great part.
2: okay, my last question about this book, and then we'll we'll move on to our conversation with Ben Hackey. If there was one one say one word theme in this book that most stood out to you or that you most enjoy about it or that you kind of I think have had in your head since finishing it, what do you think that would be? Shall I tell you mine first while you're thinking?
0: no, I think i I think it's. For me, it's friendship.
2: Like I was going to say the same thing.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, one of us has got to change it now. Okay.
2: Let's, let's like do it. Three, two, two, one. And-
0: <laughs> to a party, you know, we got to mix it up. You wear dresses to parties? Well, one does. I don't know if I do. Oh,
2: oh, okay. I see. Yeah, friendship is a good one. I mean, we even see that in the last line, right? It's not often that someone comes along who is a true friend and a good writer. Charlotte, yeah. was both. <laughs> she was in a class by herself.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and we see, I mean, Wilbur starts out so lonely. And in a sense, Fern does too.
2: Yeah, that's true.
0: And so they all kind of band together throughout the book and help each other. Yeah. Even Templeton. Even Templeton, if he doesn't consider himself their friend, they would probably consider Templeton their friend.
2: That's true. And there are lots of people like that probably. People will come in and out of your lives who, you know... They might not seem like the best friends, but somehow they still still are around in your friend circle, and they're helping you out, and you're doing things for them. And, um, <laughs> and then you feed them to the bookstore troll. <laughs> Wait, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Well, do you have any final thoughts you wanna you wanna offer on Charlotte's Web before we're done with it? Forever? I mean, just for the end of the season.
0: No, uh, I mean, kind of the same with the last book we read, Railway Children. Um, i'm going to miss being in this book i 'm going to miss these characters, and i'm going to miss reading it so hmm. but I am excited, you know, for whatever we decide just to read for season three. i'm sure it 's going to be fantastic.
2: Yeah, and more on that uh, in in a future episode we'll we'll give you a little update on that later. All right with that let 's get over to our conversation with Ben Hatkey. Ben hatkey is is a great children's book illustrator he lives in lafayette indiana and he is a cartoonist as well as a children's book illustrator and he's best known for his series of middle grade graphic novels zeta the space girl uh zeta of course has there's a there's a second series called mighty jack and then eventually mighty jack and zeta you know cooperate They they get together for an adventure in well, I think it's just called Mighty Jack and Zeta. He also, of course, did the little robot graphic novel and a bunch of children's books, including Julia's House for Lost Creatures, Nobody Likes a Goblin, and just this year, Julia's House Goes Home. So lots of great children's books, lots of great illustrations and work and, and great adventures. And we had a great time uh, chatting with Ben. Graham, what one word would you use to describe our conversation with Ben Hatke? Enlightening. <laughs> ah, that's a good one. This good word. That, that's one to write down in your notebook. All right, Logan. Let's get us over to our conversation with Ben Hatke. Well, we are here with Ben Hatke, and you know this is exciting for us because when we conceived of the idea of this show, one of the people that we had on our short list, like we had to have on as soon as possible, was Ben mm-hmm. Hatke. In our homes, we're Hatke-ites? Hatke stands. <laughs> we're big fans <laughs> of Ben Hatke. So Ben, thank you for being on the podcast with us.
1: Thank you guys for having me.
2: Well, as you know, we've got lots of questions from your readers, from the kids who listen to this podcast, who are, you know, I can't wait to hear from you and get to know you a little, little bit better. But the kids have set a precedent and that precedent is that we have to start with this very important question. Are you ready for the most important question you're going to get on this whole podcast, Ben? I
1: think, I, I don't think I'm ready, but I, it's, it's, not, it's too late to not be ready. Yeah, think
2: that's true. You're here sure. now. Okay, here yeah. it is. Are you a Cheetos or a Doritos person? That's a really hard question. I
1: think <laughs> I am. I think I have become a Cheetos person. I, I, I was clearly a Doritos. I was a Cool Ranch Doritos kid in in school, okay. and that's what I would get in my lunches. And never Cheetos. But I think if you if I had to choose now, it would be Cheetos.
2: So why why the change, man? I mean, I feel like we need yeah, to really dig is, into this about a- people. People.
1: People grow and change, you know, <laughs> like you have to be allowed to change you, you, or, or life gets too constricting, I think. Right.
2: True. True. Um, I true. Th- I think that's fair. Yeah. It, I think it's a whole new me that's coming out now. <laughs> <laughs> In general, are you a, do you prefer savory or sweet things? Oh, absolutely. Savory. Okay. What's yeah, your favorite tra- snack tra- 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 food? Like what are you snacking on when you're working on a, on a project? Oh,
1: I don't know. It's pretty frou frou. I like like bread and cheese. Like like I love an, a good cheese. Um, so like yeah, you know, like cheese and crackers. Cheese and crackers would maybe be my go to. And now okay. And I guess it's not that fancy. Now I'm getting into um, not plain triscuits. Like triscuits that have <laughs> weird flavors, like rosemary and olive oil, or like basil. Um, <laughs> it's like basil and uh, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, bigger. like
0: uh, fire roasted tomato
1: yes that's yeah. a good one i'm Guys, there I got, too i think you there's hit tons it, of them now like if i go to the grocery store like i'll stop and i'll be like oh man i don't know there's a lot here I, I think yeah i
0: think you hit it like a certain age where yeah. this, this just has to happen
2: yeah like yeah you'll, you'll pickle, <laughs> they'll pickle they pickle asks too much too much they'll, t- they'll me too much <laughs> You know, I don't know what it is, guys. Like when when did Triscuits have to get so sophisticated? They were like an right. every man's food.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Now the boxes <laughs> aren't even like bright yellow anymore. They're like uh, they're like a sort of a soft uh, like woodsy
2: color. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> like a tea are you term. are you a coffee or a tea guy?
1: Oh, I wish I was a tea guy. I'm a coffee guy. I'm a lot of coffee guy. <laughs> a lot? But, uh, How much is a lot? Well, okay, like when I was. Even in college, I was like the guy who was like, "Oh, now I only need juice in the morning," or like, you know, I, I didn't drink coffee. Um, and then uh, had kids, and uh, <laughs> and actually, we went to like a cafe once, and like, I was really not a coffee drinker. And my wife was like, "I just, I want to get a, like a cafe latte, and don't make me have a coffee with, be the only person drinking." And it's like, okay, I'll have a, have a coffee, and then I say it slowly ramped up from there. And now, um, and now that I've got teenagers in the house, like we brew a big pot in the morning and I'm just realizing like, Ooh, it's going, there's not enough. <laughs> I've got like two, two teen girls drinking coffee before they head off to their thing. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what a lot is two, three cups in the morning. Is that a lot? I don't
2: know. Well, did Depends. you drink enough to, to do the podcast? Was <laughs> that? Did you drink enough to, to have a good time doing this podcast? Do you think
1: I think I'm right? I'm thinking I'm right in the zone,
2: <laughs> right in the zone.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So, uh, yeah, I was just up in the mountains. Uh, and it was nice and cool and breezy. And I'm like you. I probably, two or three cups of coffee a day. I probably yeah. drank like eight cups a day. Oh, right. Because thing.
1: outside coffee with like, if, was there a fire?
0: There, yeah, there there's a, camp- a little bit of a fire.
1: Yeah, if there's like a little campfire, the outside
0: coffee is a totally different thing. It's like, it's so good. It's like a, an essential yeah. just to yeah, like have yeah. it in your hands. Yeah. All right. So, Ben, moving off of food. Oh, um, off of snacks. Okay. Yeah, which we are oh, always... Wow. Or It'll Miss be a Snack pod- Podcast. <laughs> All right. So um in our intro, we kind of mentioned um some of the titles of the of the um of the books you've authored and illustrated. Can you give us kind of a summary or a synopsis of your style or maybe even just some of the stories um Ooh. that, that kind of summarize you?
1: Yeah, I think what it summarizes it right now would be um I tend to do anything with words and pictures. Um, so I, I, I'm a lot of comics and I'm a lot of picture books. So there's the two um, graphic novel series. There's Zeta the Space Girl, which kind of turned out to be a trilogy. And then there's the Mighty Jack books, which turned out to be a trilogy. Um, and those are now available in box sets, which is kind of cool. And I feel like that's one story world. Uh, and then there's Little Robot, which is a standalone graphic novel. But like the characters kind of drift between like, and you'll see little bits of, of these worlds in the other books. And then there's a whole nother story world, I feel like, which is my picture books, um, which so far are the three Julia's House books, and Nobody Likes a Goblin, which there's little hints of Nobody Likes a Goblin in Julia's House. Those are kind of the two main book things that I've been doing, which feel like two kinds of craft, the, the idea of, of creating a graphic novel and the idea of creating a picture book, um, which I've really had a lot of fun honing. But still, like anything with words and pictures, will grab my attention. I, I had a lot of fun doing. Um, over the past year, I did a "Raner the Fox" story on my Instagram, which is now going to be a little book of its own, That's which awesome. is something between a comic and a picture book for adults, kind of deal. It's like it's a little bit different from from the other thing I've, things I've done. So,
2: Let's, was that just kind of a
1: go ahead, girl?
0: Yeah, I want to dig into that a bit. Is that something you were like workshopping publicly then?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that it was, was a, a lot. Cool. It was because it's it's very different from signing up and then producing a book, which is wonderful, but you're not sharing anything. So you're working on this book, and no, like I'm working on a graphic novel now, and you know nobody's really seen it except you know my editor and my family and a couple of close friends, right? And then I will finish that book and turn it in, and then there will be another year in the pipeline before it comes out. And that's kind of a long time to wait for somebody to see the thing that you were working on. Yeah, and So that's what made the, the Raynard project and a couple other things I've done like this. So, so different was that I was doing it live, posting it live. Um, people were following along as it, as it went. And it was just, it was a different, very different experience. Um, and it was in some ways a little more like, I don't know what, what you call like raw or immediate and just really gratifying. And like, I almost feel like I, hard going back you know like now i'm working on a a graphic novel that's on my desk right now and nobody nobody's it's very very
2: secret i'm sure you get questions like this a lot but finn who's nine wants to know how long you've been drawing and then caleb asks what inspired you to write comics in particular so those two questions seem to go together
1: the the answer to how long i've been drawing is like the whole time (laughs) (laughs) i uh years and years ago was visiting my hometown and and something happened where we were able to visit the house that I grew up in. The people were living there. Like they were like, Oh, come in. Oh, yeah. You know, they knew who I was and they were like, Oh yeah, you, we knew that you grew up here. And so we got, took some of my, my kids through this house and they happened to be taking the wallpaper down in the room that had been my, my little sister's room. And, um, they found, and it was a wallpaper that I remember my parents putting up when I was really, really little. And they found underneath that drawings that I had drawn on the wall, and it was Pac-Man ghosts. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, I guess that was something that really struck me. And still, I mean, I still draw ghosts similar to Pac-Man ghosts, like little little poofs with like squiggly bottoms yeah. uh, <laughs> is my go-to idea for a ghost. But um, so yeah, I've been drawing like the whole time, and and I feel like there was always positive, re- mostly positive reinforcement with drawing. Uh, even, even luckily had teachers in class that would not discourage me from drawing or not uh, like, like were very understanding when I was drawing during class. And then like my dad uh, as an architect was always, uh, he always carried notepaper in his, in his breast pocket. And when, when he was explaining things, he was very comfortable pulling out a notepaper and, and thinking, oh, it's like this. And he would draw it out draw the concept or whatever it was so it was always like this go-to form of communication and so i feel like there are kids who i feel like everybody draws like you go far back in history our earliest our earliest like markers of humans on the earth are cave drawings right like they're drawings that comes way before written language so i feel like there are everybody's a drawer it's ingrained in us and then like somewhere along the way some people keep just don't stop drawing, you know, and they, and they keep doing it. And, and then comics, comics specifically, I just kind of, you know, I, I think we grew up in the last times when there were really, really great newspaper comics with Calvin and Hobbes and, and Garfield. Right. Like, and I, 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 still remember like, like getting the newspaper in the morning <laughs> and, and Calvin yeah. and Hobbes would be there. And I'd be like, Oh, this is awesome. I remember writing Jim Davis, the creator of Garfield. Cause I, early on I would collect the Garfield books and Jim Davis, I'm from Indiana originally, and Jim Davis was also from Indiana. And I wrote to him and he actually wrote back and like, he cited hmm. something like very short, but it was like, he cited something I said in my letter. So it was like, oh, he, he's a real person. It was like the person, I was like 10 or something. And I remember being like, we're having oh, a conversation, real, a real person, you know, like, like it really struck me. Oh, a real person made Garfield. And then, um, yeah did the same thing with Bill Watterson and it got a letter back that was like, I hate form letters, but I have to send form letters because I get too much mail. Uh, but I still kept it. It's still great. I remember going to like riding my bike to use bookstores and, and poking through the, the long stacks for uh, issues of elf stuff like this. Um, and when I started making my own comics, I just, like, I, it was a way I could entertain people that again, I'm big into positive, positive reinforcement that you get in, in your interests. Right. So even in college, I would tape up sheets of 11 by 17 paper in our bathroom, the dorm bathroom. And I had this ongoing comic strip that I would just work on when I was in the bathroom. And then other people would come in and use the bathroom and I'd hear them Mm -hmm. laughing. And I was like, oh, bathroom comics, positive reinforcement. Uh, Like I'm entertaining people with this and school papers, stuff like that. So it just kind of never left. me.
0: (laughs) So you had mentioned... Mm -hmm. Uh, Calvin and Hobbes and Garfield yeah. as some mm. of your favorites. Did you have any other favorite comics from when you were a kid, <clears throat> or maybe talk about some of your favorite comics now?
1: Ooh, oh, favorite comics. I don't know. I feel like I read a fair amount of comics still, and I'm finding a lot of like weird stuff from the 70s that I'm liking, because mm. I, I remember getting the, uh, there was a book of uh, Barry Windsor Smith's art, which is really like Baroque, and mm-hmm. I kind of like pre-Affiliatey actually in a way. And I was mm-hmm. like, "Whoa, this is crazy and so cool." And and drifting between that, uh, something I, I really like—it's um, uh, over on my desk—but is um, Ryan Andrews's book "This Was Our Pact," which is about these kids riding their—it's a—it's a kids on bikes adventure about these kids riding their bikes out to find what happens to these lanterns that float down the river, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and the story just gets more fantastical as they go and um, has a really good ending. Any books like that that can really, I don't know. Matt Phelan's got some really good stuff. He harkens back a lot to silent film era stuff. And then he's got one really good book that I loved called Around the World, which is three stories of early circumnavigators. The first person to go around the world on a bike. Nellie Bly, who went around, was like young reporter Nellie Bly, uh, went all the way around the world and, and wrote newspaper articles as she went to the point where like American kids would get like Nellie Bly hats. That was like the cool thing. So he's telling stories like that. Um, I mentioned ElfQuest. ElfQuest was like an early sort of long form comic that I really loved. Do you guys familiar with ElfQuest?
0: No. No, I no? don't think oh, Okay. So.
1: So that was like late 70s, early 80s. And like Marvel did reprints of it, which was what I was sort of digging up in the long boxes in the in the bookstore. But it was the first, that was my first experience with like, sort of an epically long um, comics tale. It was about these elves, these creatures that were elf-like that land on this Mm. planet. They're sort of semi-mystical. And then they land on this like very brutal world with like early humans on it. And Mm. they start out like very sort of almost angelic type of creatures, but this one tribe of elves sort of like, like, learns to, and then the humans want to kill them. And then these elves like kind of learn to live alongside a wolf pack and they become more like feral and wolf-like and, uh, forest dwelling and fierce a little more. And, And then you like, so then there ends up being in this world, like elves and trolls and humans and, um, it's just this long series of these wolf rider elves trying to find other uh, they think they're the only ones after like thousands of years. Humans burn down the forest, elves go on a quest, they can't live in their safe forest anywhere, so they go on a quest like to find other elves on this world and it's uh it's pretty cool.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm looking it up right now. I'm actually I see a news article that says after 40 years of pointed ears, elf quest ends its legendary run.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, so, it went on a long time. For I, I, and I'm mostly like focused on like the first quest. Um, I think, I think that first cycle was, was, and then it but they're so long, the elves themselves can live for like thousands of years. So like, I know that it's kept going and you can follow like Cutter and Skywise and all these other ones for, um, through more ages, you know, like uh, into that world's like medieval and period and so yeah. on. Yeah.
0: Having ageless characters seems like a good literary device. Good idea, uh, right? Yeah, like a good idea. <laughs> <laughs>
2: so, so as someone who owns a bookstore, I've been writing things down to make sure that I add them to our oh, okay. to our shelves. This is this is like, I love this part about the podcast. I'm definitely going to oh, get man, any of those if they're still available. Uh, get all of Tony Clips' to to books book if you don't
1: have them. <laughs> I, I like, I'm watching him. Uh, do you have the Delilah Dirk books? Mm-mm. Okay. They're good. But Tony, Tony is cuts. currently doing, um, a, a series. Um, he's doing a fourth Delilah Dirk book, but he's doing it. He's doing it online as he goes. I don't know. Cause he's, he's kind of reinventing the character. Um, Delilah Dirk is a sort of like Indiana Jones adventurer lady who sort of runs around, um, 1800s Europe treasure hunting um but then she's got like this Jane Austen type of family back home in England um but he's now doing a story about the same character when she was like 12 and it's uh and it's about pirates and it's really cool i, I wonder if he's having a similar experience that i had with Raynard cuz he's doing um he's kind of doing it online as he goes um mm, which, is, yeah. which is i don't know really neat
2: so in looking doing a little you know, a little baseline amount of research uh, on you. Wikipedia, of course, tells us that you're, a, um, you're into archery. I am. So we have a question related, sort of related to that okay. from, from some kids. Uh, Rowan and Finn, who are six and nine respectively, they both want to know, how good are your ninja skills?
1: How good are my ninja skills? Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know how good my, I, I feel like my circus skills are pretty good. Um, I don't know if I, I don't know my, my ninja <laughs> skills are great, but uh, I do love. Um, I mean, I do like even with arms reach. I have what's this within arms reach? Here, I have uh, an arrow within arms reach. I have my juggling knives within ar- arms reach. So I do have some juggling as well. I have. Uh, well, I could get them out. I don't think they're gonna come out. Oh, juggling t- torches.
2: <laughs> um so I, I, you told I, us I before up, we started recording that your little shop is called the shed have you considered calling it the armory <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's kind of like that yeah it's it's um so i love archery i started doing archery probably when i was like 14 or so because we we joined the society for creative anachronism which is like a sort of medieval re- recreation group Oh, you're nodding you know about the sca okay so yeah so we joined the sca we went to events and um I was too young to do the the combat, like the The jousting. Yeah. And so, but I wasn't too young to do archery tournaments. So I started doing archery tournament uh, stuff when we go to events and that kind of got me into it. And then archery went away for a while, but then when my dad retired from his architectural position at Purdue, (laughs) <laughs> for a retirement gift, they gave him this beautiful longbow and sort of as a family, we got back into archery and, um, and I've really, really enjoyed it. And then like, I am really into um, trick arrows. So I have made, uh, I found out I- I've got various recipes for explosive arrows, uh, which I might be doing a thing about online. I don't know. And let me grab one more thing. <laughs> um, this is a little invention of mine. It, I, pull it up to think this is a 3d printed arrowhead uh that would deliver like basically i want to paint with it (laughs) so it's got these little uh sort of glass two-sided beads that you can fill up with paint and then uh this sort of like this sort of like holder that screws that has a a screw in
2: top so So kind of like archery paintball artistry yeah
1: yeah 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 that's basically it so as you can imagine, like I'm like the most recent episode of Hawkeye with the archery car chase and all the trick arrows was just like, I just couldn't barely contain myself. It was so exciting. <laughs> but yeah, so, and then, but I, I, um and then through college, I got into a bunch of like circusy stuff. I unicycling, stilt walking, doing some fire shows, this kind of thing. So my circus skills maybe are, are, are a little, little higher up than my actual, than my ninja skills. But I also did gymnastics growing up, like from the age of seven on. So I do a lot of, jumping around
2: okay so, before,
0: all right so rowan and finn we can we can definitively say ben's ninja skills lacking <laughs> showmanship skills top shelf <laughs>
1: there we go fair enough fair enough okay. yes
0: but although you like could with a little bit of work well i would think like if you were to to you know try your hand at ninja ing and then you get caught because you're not stealthy enough. You could pull out like the juggling knives and stuff, and it'd be very confusing to whoever. Yeah, 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 you know. yeah,
1: yeah. That's true. That's true. I could like, start juggling the knives, and then they they're like, "What?" And then I'm gone.
0: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I just need <laughs> yeah. one of
1: those like ninja smoke bombs, <laughs>
0: yeah. and then hit him with a
2: couple paintball arrows, and yeah, you're good. <laughs> one, one, one on each eye. <laughs> it's was like, was that a ninja thing or performance <laughs> art? We're so confused.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, honestly,
2: we liked it. We don't want to go after him anymore. Right. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, so uh, Judah, who is 10 years old, uh, would like to know if any of your writing has surprised you while you were writing it.
1: Yes, that is a really good question. It has. And that's one of the, that is one of the best feelings, actually, of mm-hmm. doing it. Like, especially when, because, you like... There's a the theory of writing. One of the things people talk about is gardening and arch. But the gardener and the architect, right? The the gardener plants seeds and they kind of come up later, and it's a little bit you're like trusting a process a little bit more. The architect is a very planned out in advance, very scripted, very like uh, you know maybe maybe scene by scene. Uh, Mm -hmm. I am probably lean towards being an architect in my in my story writing. I like to I like to have a really clear outline. And I also think a lot about story structure and certain things that work in stories a lot. Um, like I, it's that I check my stories against. So hmm. one, one thing that one thing that I think about structurally a lot in stories is, is one of these things that when you see it, you start seeing it everywhere is um, the midpoint shift. So like there are many, like, this happens a lot in movies where where you can pause it halfway and, everybody's goals suddenly change at the halfway mark so two big examples which i feel are very very different are um star wars first episode four uh it's we've got to get the plans to alderaan we've got to get the plans to alderaan then at midpoint oh alderaan's they get there and it's gone alderaan has been destroyed Uh, oh i hope i'm not giving any spoilers away for for star wars I know it's been we'll be
2: like 40 for,
1: years
0: we, old. I think no, we're,
1: yeah, okay, we're good. Okay.
0: No, we'll Logan can put in a little spoiler alert. sound. <laughs> okay,
1: thank you. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. And then, uh, so their goal <laughs> changes to now we've got to destroy the death star. Right. And then in pride and prejudice, if you open mm-hmm. the book at the halfway point, it is, you know, uh, Mr. Darcy's this jerk. Who's trying to stop my sister from marrying the guy of her dreams, you open it at the midpoint and it's like, Oh, Mr. Darcy is actually proposing marriage. Uh, you know, and that now it becomes about Lizzie and Darcy. Like it's like, it really flip-flops right at the midpoint. And so I think about how many stories have that kind of thing mm. and kind of check, I check my stories against it. But, but you then, but the best feeling, sorry to get back to the beginning of the question is, I don't know when you're mired in it and, Mm. And a joke or a moment or something like that will just like snap into place or come to you. And that's, that's really, that's where you're like, Oh, I, I love this job because like, <laughs> and especially if it's, if you think of a silly thing and you, and you're like, I have room to put this silly thing in here, I'm going to do it. Um,
2: do you think the, your reliance or I don't know if reliance is the word, your appreciation for the structural elements of storytelling Has to do with the fact that you're both trying to write a story, like create a narrative, and also doing the illustrations. So if you, if you, you know, if you're just a writer, like if I'm just writing a story and something surprises me, I can just kind of let the words go where they go. But if I then have to do all these illustrations with it, right, then that it's double the work or it complicates things.
1: Well, it's also it's, it's the other direction too. If you, if you want to change something, if you've drawn it. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. like if you want to be like, oh, this scene, this scene, if you're a, like, and I've, I'm working on a, I've been, I've a couple drafts of a YA novel, like a prose novel. So I'm speaking from having done both. And w- with the novels, like, if you're like, Oh man, I, this scene should be gloomy and in the rain, backspace, 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 and it's gloomy and in the rain all of a sudden. Right. Uh, yeah. But if you've drawn a scene and it's sunny and you're like, no, this scene should be gloomy in the rain too late. Now that's like, that's like days of rewriting, right. Or, or yeah. redrawing. I'm sorry. And yeah. so, and I've got, and I, and, and you're exactly right. Cause I've gotten with the second Zeta book, I was over eager and I started drawing the book before I was, was, was yeah. clear enough on which elements of the story were working and which weren't. And I, mm. and I lost like, um, I had to pitch like, I mean, I still have them. I didn't pitch them, but like I had a, yeah. like 50 finished pages that I had drawn that I was like, this is, this isn't working. And, and I can't use these pages. And I like that. I like how they're drawn. They're just, they're just not serving the story. And so, um, so that was, that was not fun. So I won't do it again.
2: <laughs> so what you're saying is that your art form and what you're doing is a harder and higher art form than people who are just writing middle grade novels.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Those <laughs> people are just hacks. Really.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Amateurs. Um,
1: yeah, and it, it galls me that they're um, paid to do it or anything like this. It's just I don't know. <laughs> Comics okay. are nothing, man.
0: So, uh, so Judah, who was the asker of that question, um, also wants you to know that he did a presentation at his homeschool co-op about you and your books. Oh, and he says thank you for your amazing books.
1: Oh well, thank you, Judah. Thank you for reading. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna stop. Don't worry. <laughs>
2: Hey, Gus, who's nine, he wants to know, why did you decide to to end up combining Mighty Jack and Zeta the Space Girl into one book? This is actually a question my kids were asking me, and I was like, I don't know, we'll have to have them on the podcast. Uh,
1: Because it was, okay, it was one of those things. It was one of those things that just, like you were asking about uh, moments that that just fall into place or happen, right? I conceived of Mighty Jack as a single story, one book. It was going to be a standalone graphic novel. And then I did, you know, I planned the book out. I, I, I made an outline for the book and I sent the outline to my editor and <clears throat> her response was, I mean, she, she, she really liked it, but she was like, uh, this seems like, this seems like a lot of material for, you know, a 200 and 220 page graphic novel. It seems like a lot. You're squeezing in here. It's like, yeah, oh, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. <laughs> and, uh, did the second draft of the outline, second draft of the outline. This is the typing version. Um, I, I also kind of break it down and I'm pretty good at guessing like how many pages each story moment will take, right? Kind of break it down into five page chunks. I can look at it and be like, for, to get them from, you know, chase through the alley and climb up the building and then reveal that so-and-so is so-and-so that'll take five pages. And then I got to the end and I was like, Oh, this is, this is, this is a lot longer. And so what I did was, um, I trimmed, That's why the first book ends with them going through the the beanstalk buying portal, right? I kind of cut it off there. And then the second book, and I was like, I'll just put the the final third grew into a whole second book. And then at the end of it, I was like, (laughs) it literally was like, wouldn't it be cool if as a sort of end scene, they go out and like like there's these characters from the other series there and then my editor when she saw that she was like yes it's very cool but you realize you will have to make that book <laughs> you, <laughs> you can't pro you can't show that and then not make the book so I was like okay yeah. uh, i'll do it so that's why <laughs> i don't know it was really ge- it was ge- genuinely just like wouldn't it be cool if this was all in the same world
2: so now and now you have the uh hackiverse yeah I think of it as the Zetaverse just because it's Zetaverse. Kind of that's, yeah. yeah. Zetaverse. Yeah. That Zetaverse is a great, that's a great name for a place. Reverse. <laughs> yeah. Reverse. Yeah. The Zetaverse. Okay. So I, think, so, uh, I think we have a quiz for you now. Oh, it's quiz time. Quiz time. Let's, let's do quiz time. Okay. okay.
0: This is, you're back in school now. Um, What's, okay. And this is a very high stakes moment for you, but I'm wearing pants. <laughs> you didn't wear pants in school. I
1: don't know. I just wanted this to turn into a bad dream.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So because you, Ben Hackey, are the author of both Zeta, the Space Girl and the Little Robot, uh, we thought it would be fun to do the space robot quiz. Oh, boy. It's going to be very difficult.
1: OK.
0: Darn near impossible. All right. So question one. What is the darkest part of space? Oh, and these are multiple choice. Oh! Okay, so... A, the Buotis Void, which is 700 million light-years from Earth. It's a super void containing mm-hmm. very few galaxies. As That's, you know. That was what
1: I was going to guess. Yeah,
0: as you know. It's also known as the Great Nothing. Yeah. Well, it's a good name, too. Uh, B... Uh, The darkest part of space is the sadness that Pluto felt when he got his planetary status revoked. uh, Or C, the space between our (laughs) bookstore troll's ears. We have a bookstore troll in the basement of our bookstore.
1: Oh! Like a mythical bookstore troll?
0: No, he's very real.
1: Oh. I mean like a... Okay. Uh... (laughs) 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 <laughs> I mean, like, the kind it. of troll that lives under bridges, but, all, but also lives in other places like that.
2: Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah. He's
1: a troll troll. Not like an yeah.
2: internet troll. No, no. <laughs> no. This, <laughs> okay. in, right. fact, he, in fact, he rejects all of the, uh, the tropes of modern life. Okay.
0: Yeah, so maybe so there I, is something going on between his ears.
1: <laughs> yeah, see, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm an advocate for trolls being extremely sensitive, and uh, the trolls in Julia's house are lovers of poetry, so, I'm going to imagine that a bookstore troll has a little more, has plenty going on between its ears. So, I'm going to rule <laughs> that one out. Um, I'm not an advocate of Pluto being a planet. So, I'm not going to worry about Pluto either. So, I am going to go with <laughs> the Void.
2: Yeah, you got it. You got it. Yes. All right, David, you one want to do for the next one for one? Sure, I'll do the next one. Which of these, Ben Hatke, was the very first robot created? Unimate created in 1954 by George Devol for working on car assembly lines? Ooh. B. Da Vinci's Knight created by Leonardo Da Vinci which was a suit of armor able to sit, stand and wave its hands? Or C. Harold? Just Harold.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Weirdly, I thought that the first robot was a was a lion that Leonardo Da Vinci invented that could have flowers kind of eject from its front and would kind of walk and make noises and do fireworks oh
0: is he is he creating a new is he creating option d here i'm i don't know
1: i mean that's what that's my i'm a big da vinci fan so okay no matter what i'm gonna go with da vinci's (laughs) because because i'm a huge fan of
0: leonardo da vinci i just have to
2: what's the answer graham (laughs) okay
1: so this but i don't know about the night
0: well, from, I from what I could find with my copious research, was that it was Da Vinci's Knight was the first one. Maybe he did the lion. You okay. know, there a was day, a, a day later. Yeah, no, um,
1: there, oh, there wasn't a there was a famous automaton that was also. Oh yeah, I gotta reread all that stuff. Okay, great.
0: Okay, so <laughs> this is interesting because uh, the Da Vinci's Knight was basically an automaton. Yeah, and the Unimate or Unimate was like the first digital robot, like we would think of robot. That's a proper
2: robot, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so it
0: it depends on your definition of this. So I'd say this is another right answer.
2: Two for two, two for two. Uh, Question three. A couple more.
0: If you could own one of these robots, which would you choose? A, BB-8, the roly-poly droid from Star Wars. Uh, B, Optimus Prime, the amazingly powerful Transformer, or C, Rosie, the delightfully sarcastic maid of the Jetsons. It's tough. I mean, this doesn't
1: sound like a question with the right answer.
0: Well, whatever one you choose is the right answer. Is the
1: right answer. Okay. I'm going to go with Optimus Prime then. I remember um, there was even a series where they replayed uh, the Gen 1 Transformers cartoons. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it was on before I went to school, and at the beginning there was a sort of like animatronic puppetronic Optimus Prime and a kid's like a live action kid sitting in his hand, like talking to him uh-huh. to announce each episode. It was so cool, and it was actually like two Optimus Prime scale, like the kid was like sitting in his hand. So it's so neat. <laughs>
0: I love it. Got that. another one right. <laughs> yeah. I would have chosen Rosie, the uh, sarcastic maid from the Jetsons.
1: I mean, I think Thank that's you. probably the the real most handy choice for life.
0: <laughs> I, I want I want somebody to to uh, clean up after me, but also berate me for my messiness at the same time. Yeah, yeah,
2: they've got your best interests
1: in mind. <laughs> All,
2: <laughs> All right, right we, we got, got a, think. There's marriage jokes we made there, but I'm not going to. We got make a couple.
0: Them. We got a couple <laughs> open-ended questions, David. You want to? You want to do that first one?
2: Sure. Ben in space? Can anyone hear you scream? Me personally, uh,
1: <laughs> I think if they—me personally, I think if I really, really gave it a go, like if I really tried, I bet maybe somebody could.
2: What if you were in the buotis <laughs> though, in the void? Mm.
1: I think the void dwellers would hear, and they'd probably come. <laughs> I think, I, that, and that would probably be a happy.
2: Yeah, it probably would be great if the void scary, dwellers show up.
1: Terrifying, but but beautiful. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: All right, Ben. Do robots have feelings?
1: I don't think there's a good answer for this one. <laughs> I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I'm afraid to, uh, to answer this.
2: You're afraid yeah, of the robot overlord. Yeah,
1: well, yeah. I'm afraid what will happen. Like, like somebody will play this in a few years, and they'll be like, "He said they don't have feelings," <laughs> or they'll be like, "He said they do." Either That's way, smart. they'll be like, "Get him! Get him!"
2: Yeah, it's probably you know,
1: smart.
0: okay. That's is good. You yeah, you can abstain. Of, yeah, yeah I mean, it's, anyway. it's, you know, as a
2: robot creator, it's probably smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right.
1: I don't want to be on record either way.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so we're almost done here, but we do need to do our right. word of the week. So that oh. brings us that brings us to the to the very important segment here. Um, Graham, are you ready for the word of the week? Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> 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 All right, Ben. Do you, ben, as an artist, do you have something that you can write a definition? You know, do you have a piece of paper, oh, a piece of paper a and a pen, a computer, um, uh, a tattoo needle?
1: Yeah, I'm looking, I'm looking. <laughs> you know what? The only paper that I have close by, I can't believe I'm doing this. I don't know if I even should do this, but now that I've said it, I'm going to do this. I have a gift from my best friend that I got, and I was going to put a couple little things in it to, to, especially for him anyway. This is uh, Dr. Henry Jones Sr.'s Grail Diary. What? replica. Yes. That's amazing. With little train tickets in it and stuff. It's, it's one of our favorite movies. This, uh, my friend Denver who I grew up with. And we, we always like reference Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. So on one of these Charlemagne coup- and so forth. Yeah. Oh, yeah I was suddenly remembered my Charlemagne. And he, <laughs> whenever <laughs> I leave, whenever I dri- visit town and drive off, he'll stand in the doorway and like raise his hand like that knight from the temple <laughs> as I drive away. <laughs> Um, so I'm going to oh, write. I'm going to write the word very small in one of these
2: blank pages.
0: Oh, awesome!
2: Okay, well, well all we, right.
0: need get, we need to get the word first. As yeah, a
2: memory of this. You, Graham, you're the keeper of the word printer. I We've am. We've been having a lot of trouble. The robot has run away. It's become send, there's just all you you gave it the power of speech, but also the power of ambulation. Yeah. you have. Those were big mistakes. Ha- do you have a word for us this week? Did the printer do its job?
0: Well, I I haven't tried printing with it yet, but it is still here. And so I've loaded it with, you know, the paper and everything. And actually, as you look around the basement here, you can see I've actually decorated everything. And Christmas is coming, right?
2: Look, looks great. <laughs> yeah. Looks so great. There's lights. Looks like there's some garland.
0: I wrapped up a bunch of different things in the basement as presents, just as kind of a joke. Um, put some under that tree over there. And so here's the printer. I wrapped it up. So let's just go ahead and unwrap it. Yeah. Okay. Oh, uh, this uh, this doesn't seem to be the printer. I think these are actually the new boots I was going to give you for Christmas. You were getting me boots. So where did the printer go? Hiking I- boots? Oh no! Can we talk about that for a bit? That's- I think we'll I, I accidentally gave the printer to somebody else as a present. Hmm. I wonder what my dad got me for Christmas. What a printer! Oh man. Voice activation enabled. Hello, new master. What?
2: Graham. I know, I know. 18 episodes in and you still can't figure it out. You know what? Just, I'll find a word. Hold on. We'll be right back. And we're back. I found a word. Ben Hatke, are you ready to find out this week's word? I I think I'm ready. Okay. This is what the word of the week is. Fubsy. F-U-B-S-Y. And I'll give you a hint. It's an adjective. Fubsy? Fubsy. F-U-B-S-Y. All right. You guys have a minute. Write your definition down. We'll be back in just a second. And we're back. As is our custom gram. It's your turn to give your definition, what you think the definition of the word Fubsy is first.
0: Okay, so Fubsy, it's, it's very sp- a very specific descriptor. Okay. <laughs> so this word is used to describe a particularly bad ninja who routinely leaves all his ninja gadgets at home and sometimes grabs his bright pink garment instead of his black one.
2: The Fubsy ninja. Yeah. Well, that is that if you were a member of his ninja crew and he showed up wearing his bright, bright colored outfit, that would be disappointing. Well, Frustrating too.
0: Yeah, they're probably used to it.
2: <laughs> well, Fubsy I think his lime green shoes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they probably, they probably, every step he takes, they probably light up. So I think Fubsy is the feeling you get when you've been working on something for a really long time and you've just revealed it to your best friend, and now you're waiting for feedback. That's It's a Fubsy feeling. Oh, oh that's good. That's what oh, I think I... Fubsy is. Ben, what do you think Fubsy is?
1: Uh, I think it's the quality of having a sticky or tacky coating. Such as, like uh, for instance, the jam jar in the back of the fridge was
2: quite <laughs> Fubsy. That's good. That is good. good. So, okay, are you ready for the, to find out the real definition? Yeah. Okay, the real definition of Fubsy is... Well, fubsy just means squat or portly. Oh. <laughs> so, something that is squat or portly is fubsy.
0: So, over the holiday season, I <laughs> traditionally get a
2: little fubsy. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: Also good for also good for a ninja character.
2: <laughs> yeah, true. Very <true. laughs> great. Well, Ben, we know you got to go, but we just want to ask one final question here for you. Um uh, maybe I'll make it a two-parter. Do you have any advice for young artists? We've got lots of kids on the show who listen to the show who want to be artists and writers and things like that. Do you have any advice for them? And then we've got a lot of kids asked to know... They want to know if you have any plans to write more of either of your your series, either Zeta or uh, Mighty Jack. And then after that, we'll let you go.
1: Oh, um, do the second one first. Okay. I'm not sure. Um, I do... I was wondering... Like, I do finish those books and then start wondering what's going on with those characters. So,
2: you know, yeah. if
1: you spend enough time with a character, they become people that live in your head and you're like, I wonder what, I wonder what Zeta is doing next. I don't know. <laughs> um, I am having an awful lot of fun working on uh, a different graphic novel right now. That's sort of apart from that. So it's awesome. hard to answer. Um, yeah. Advice for young artists though, would be uh, you get good at what you do, uh, routinely. You gotta do it good at what you do every day. And I think there are two skills, um, that can help. And one of them is making the thing. And one of them is sharing the thing. And it doesn't really matter how you do it. And, uh, and I think one of the things, uh, one of the skills that goes along with making things is not to be too, I think, uh, like I'm a big advocate of, uh, of cheap art supplies. Like, uh, I don't. I try not to buy fancy sketchbooks and stuff for myself. I like to have sketchbooks that feel like if because you you want to be able to draw and not have it have to turn out perfectly. So um, and so when you have a, a cheap sketchbook, you don't expect your drawing. You don't feel like you've wasted resources by yeah um, by letting mm-hmm. your drawings be what they are. Right? I like that. Um, so draw again and again, and don't worry about how good it is. Just worry about filling those sketchbooks. Um, mm. and then the other the other it can be really hard to share your work sometimes, but maybe you just start by sharing it with your friend who sits next to you and making them laugh or making them smile.
2: And if it makes you feel a little fubsy while you're waiting for their feedback. Exactly. You know? <laughs> That's part of what it is. <laughs> well, Ben, thank you yeah. so much for coming on. We really enjoyed chatting with you. It was an honor to have you on. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This was this was a blast. <laughs>
2: That was our conversation with Ben Hatkey. And what an enlightening conversation it was. Yeah, I, there was one
0: question I forgot to ask him, and I'm now just remembering. Do you think he has...
2: See, more a, evidence of your memory loss.
0: Yeah, exactly. Do you think he has a hat full of keys or that he wears a key as a hat?
2: So it's... Hmm, a hat full... Of, well, it's, it's just... Oops, or he uses... Key. Okay, so maybe so he a hat uses a hat key. He uses a hat as a key. The hat does the job of a key, I think. So he has to it's stick his head... It's a hat key.
0: He sticks his head into the lock. Presumably a hat can come off your head. Oh, oh, oh. This is good. Okay. So he takes it off. But what if he wears a different hat that day? I, or does not, any hat... You're not getting in then. Does any hat Ben puts on become a hat key? And then does it go? Does it open any door? This is great. I don't think it could open any door. I don't know. I don't have a hat key, so <laughs> not, I can't try it. I can't test this theory.
2: Well, I think that I think it would have to not open any door. It has to open a something a particularly special door. Mm-hmm. We should ask him about what the special like, door like is. A YM, is hat, like
0: a Like a YMCA locker.
2: I was thinking like, you know. Like to a spare room, or like uh, you know, um,
0: a dungeon. full like dun- Yeah, treasure? a
2: dungeon. Yeah, or like a, a troll's lair, yeah. or you know, something like that. Maybe like the entry way to the Moria from the Lord of the Rings, something like okay. that.
0: Or or a, a locker at your local YMCA. Is
2: this a magical locker that like you can?
0: No, maybe it has like an, maybe it has down. maybe it has an extra towel, just one extra <laughs> towel in
2: it. That'd be pretty good. I mean, that wouldn't be amazing, but it'd be pretty nice. I mean, it's better than not having an extra towel, I guess. (laughs) Hey, you know what this brings us to, though? Riddle time. Riddle time. So, last week on the show, I told a riddle. It was about Santa. Santa Claus was in in the North Pole. He was getting ready to take off on Christmas Eve. Yeah, tis the season. Uh, Exactly. And the question was, which direction did he go? Yeah. So what do you think the answer is?
0: Oh, I know what the answer is
2: because you told me. Oh, well, what is it? Santa goes... I, I don't remember. <laughs> no, just kidding.
0: <laughs> Santa gets in a sleigh, and which direction does he go? He goes south because he is at the, the very North Pole. So he cannot go right. north anymore. He cannot go east. If you try to go east, you're actually going south because whichever way you go, if you're at the top of the globe, you're going south. However, we did get some answers that I thought...
2: Also qualify. No, okay. they also qualify. Oh, okay.
0: Because somebody said he goes up, which true. Santa has to go up into the air because he's not just riding on the ground. So he's, he's getting up. And then somebody also said forward, which I thought was a great answer.
2: This <laughs> raises the question though. When Santa Claus it raises, Claus it, it, raises take... it up. Yeah. <laughs> Right. So when like Santa Claus sliders. is taking off on his sled, yes. Do the reindeer just go from a standstill, or do they have to start running first? Okay. And then they get some momentum and take off and go up and south. Yeah, they lift off certainly. Yeah, I'm not disagreeing that those shouldn't accept it. Just <laughs> okay. It, okay. Just, it just put the question in my head. Well, they would do definitely.
0: The, I would think they would definitely have to do a running start.
2: Running start, then they take off.
0: Or else they all bend their knees at the exact same yeah. time.
2: Three, two, one, and blast off and <laughs> jump up. Yeah. And then they hover.
0: Ooh, I like that. I like that. I've never seen that in any depiction, but maybe we it's could true. start a trend.
2: That's true. We need some kid out there to draw a picture of a bunch of reindeer, like in unison, hovering right over the over the earth, <laughs> with a jolly old Saint Nick in it. All right, Graham. That brings us to. This week's riddle, Indeed. yeah, and it's a good one. Are you are you panicking? You just he, Graham just gave me a face like no he no lost it's, his riddle. it's, you found it's it?
0: it? it's so good it's you're gonna love this. Uh, I can't wait oh, to enthusiasm. tell you. I can't wait to tell you what this riddle is.
2: <laughs> you're gonna you hear it. Find
0: it. You're gonna hear it, and you're gonna say, Eventually, "Wow, that's a good I
2: will say it,
0: <laughs> and I will. I'm just. I'm not looking for it. Oh, but I found it. Okay, here
2: it is. This brings us to this week's ad <laughs> <laughs> bonus advertising. No, you
0: don't you don't have to cut me off. I got it. Memory boost. Okay. There was a woman. Her name Sally. Sure. Sally.
2: I was just guessing.
0: Sally Fields. <laughs>
2: okay. <laughs> <laughs> It's There's appropriate some parents that are chuckling a, right now. It's appropriate. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, they're groaning. They're not chuckling. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, so Sally Fields has a farm. Okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and she every morning, you know, she does her farm uh, chores. Um, farm stuff. Farm she does the farmish things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she one of her, one of the farmish things she has to do is go collect the eggs from the chicken coop. Okay? So she takes a basket and this basket is, um, one foot in diameter. So that it's a foot across the opening, you
2: know, it's like four. the size of a ruler. There you go.
0: Okay. So she's got an empty basket. That's one foot across. She goes okay. into the chicken coop and she's ready to collect the eggs to put into, yeah. put into her um, basket. Cause this is her first farmish chore. Of so the this day. is
2: like in the morning. Yeah. In the morning. How cold is it? I'm just trying to imagine. I'm it's just like to get my... uh, 53
0: degrees.
2: Okay. So then it's fall? It's fall or spring?
0: Or just very early in the summer.
2: Oh, okay. Well, okay. It depends
0: on where you live. In Siberia, you know, it's, a it's true best day of the year. 53.
2: Honolulu in the winter.
0: <laughs> so she's ready to put the eggs in the, in this basket. Okay. In, okay. This, em, in this empty basket. Okay. Okay. So the question is, how many eggs can she put into this empty basket?
2: Okay. Okay. So she's collecting eggs. Mm-hmm. How many eggs can she she's, put? She's in this got an empty, empty basket.
0: basket. Yeah, she's got an empty basket. It's it's one foot in diameter. How many eggs can she put into the empty basket? Okay. It's a, this That's, is a tricky one. This is a, it's going to be this, a tricky one. It's a tricky one. You don't know. You're confused. I can see it written yep. all over your face.
2: Right. But I also just assuming you don't remember the answer. So
0: I I've re- I remember the answer because I have it written down right here.
2: That brings us to this week's sponsor, the pencil. <laughs> Find yourself forgetting things? The pencil. <laughs> Found wherever things are bought.
0: <laughs> yeah. Where do you buy a pencil? It's not the pencil. I don't know. Store.
2: Wherever you can buy anything. Well, actually, there but, are pencil stores. Oh, no.
0: Tell me about a pencil it, store.
2: It Well, you walk in and there's a bunch of pencils.
0: It just And are they all the exact same yellow pencil? Heck no. And it doesn't matter what what, uh, what wall you go to?
2: Well, for example, you might go to one display and it might be Musgrave pencils made in Tennessee, or it might be Blackwing pencils, or it could be your traditional Ticonderoga pencils. There could be pencils that are mechanical. And, and any good pencil store, there's probably also going to be notebooks and paper and other paraphernalia related to pencils. So
0: related to yeah, writing and drawing.
2: Yeah, Exactly. I and there's think draw, we, yeah, there's drawing pencils because you know the some pencils are softer, some are harder. There's the core. Some of them are made of different kinds of wood. The pencil is a fascinating invention, and you should learn more about it when you go
0: to at Oh wait, that is a that is the website. <laughs> I'm looking at it now
2: to find ways to improve your memory <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right i'm at the pencil store.com. i better not find a pen on here or i'm leaving the website
2: immediately and if i forget stuff it's your fault the pencil store.com. there's pencil stores in all kinds of places that is a very interesting pencil logo it's got a house on it. it's made of it's part pencil part house all
0: right i don't see any pens on here i think they're good
2: Okay, all right, we we approve. Because
0: then it would have to be called the utensil store. <laughs> <laughs> but then you
2: get forks and spoons and all that kind of stuff.
0: <laughs> if there's a if there's a legitimate physical shop that we could go to sometime where they just sell pencils, I think we should make a pil- like, pilgrimage there.
2: You know, there's one in Charlotte.
0: No, there is not one in Charlotte. Yes, there is. It's at, there's not.
2: It, it, what's that place that has like all the restaurants and stuff? Um, Optimist Hall. Okay. There's there's a pencil store in there. Here's the thing they sell paper. Like they sell pencils <laughs> and paper. It's okay. Not literally just pencils. That's I guess pencil paraphernalia. I'll check it out.
0: I'll have to do some math to see what the ratio is of pencil to other things. We can them. legitimately probably know call that. it a pencil store.
2: Okay. All right. Well, let's do that. Let's make this take a field trip. Yeah. To do an on a remote a remote uh this story, <laughs>
0: <laughs> an investigative report,
2: sir. We want to know why you call yourself a pencil store.
0: <laughs> and they'd be like, "Oh, we don't. You, you, you just said that, <laughs>
2: <laughs> sir. We'd like to know. if We can call you a pencil store.
0: <laughs> All right. What do we have to do? What, what are we, what we have to tell people about the yeah, next you, episode? Because it, it's well, if they want to, if they
2: want to send us an answer to this week's riddle, they have to know how to do that. Graham, do you remember how to do that? I mean, on the one hand, they oh. can get a piece of paper and a pencil, and then they could send it to us. <laughs> it would take yes. a while though. So they also could email us, but where do they do that?
0: They would email us uh, at podcasts at goldberrybooks.com.
2: Podcasts at goldberrybooks.com.
0: Yes. Yeah, send us send us your um, your riddle answer. Uh, next week we will we will give the the answer to the riddle. And then after that, we will go back through all the emails of all the correct answers and we will select a random winner who's going to win kind of a little book bundle from us
2: that's true um, that's so this true. is your
0: last chance to get us a riddle answer in-
2: and one of the books in that book bundle will be a signed copy of kate albus's book a place to hang the moon and she was the first guest on the season so that wow. means that we're going to be after next week we're going to be taking a break as we get ready for the third season we've got guests to book and questions to write down and jokes to think of and snacks to prepare we're, um, we're
0: not going to be thinking of any jokes
2: that's true that's true yep. it was well, it's just a christmas break it's, it's a hard, it's, it's a christmas, a christmas break. break and like david
0: says we've got to book guests which i'm assuming means throw books at at people we want to come on the show is that what a booking a guest is hitting I, them over I, the head i just
2: took that for granted i is okay. there yeah although in retrospect maybe that's not a the best way to get someone to come on your podcast. Well, it's worked in the past. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. 17 <laughs> episodes in or whatever it's been. So next week, we're going to have a, a, an episode where we talk to ST Smith. He's going to come on for our Q&A. You'll remember that at the end of the last season, the first season, we did a Q&A where you sent us questions about anything you wanted and we answered them. Well, next week, S.D. Smith is going to come on. He was the first ever guest on this podcast. You might remember that. Episode, episode one of season one. Yeah, back all the
0: way back in 2021.
2: <laughs> <laughs> back months ago. Back in and, June. And so he's going to come on again. He is going to take part in the Q&A. So you can direct some of your questions at him if you want. But yep. you know, we're going to answer lots of fun questions. They can be about literally anything you want almost anything you want them to be. Almost anything
0: you want. You can ask us any questions. Ask Sam any questions. They could be Christmas related. They could be about our eating habits since we talk a lot about food. I'm sure everybody needs more information <laughs> on what we like to eat. Uh, they could be They could be about anything. And then I think um, we're also going to plan like a couple games. So we'll, we'll play some games with Sam as well. Yeah,
2: it's going to be really fun. Um, and then we will give you a little bit more information about what season three is going to look like, what yeah, the book's think, going to be and some things like that. Yeah, so, I think
0: we should reveal the book next week.
2: Okay, let's do that. that we'll make our final decision between now and then and we'll, we'll announce it. So uh, lots to look forward to. Thank you to everyone who has been leaving reviews and telling your friends and things like that. If you want to go on iTunes or wherever you you know listen to this podcast and leave us a little starred review and uh, say something nice about it, we, we wouldn't be bothered by that. We'd, we'd actually appreciate that. But of course, we just want to say, whether you do that or not, we're thankful for all of you who are listening. And of course, we're thankful to um, those of you who are listening with your families. Uh, We've heard from so many people who are listening together. You know, you've got three or four or five or six or 22 children all listening together with their parents. And um, we are grateful that you are welcoming us into your homes and in your cars and your earbuds and wherever you're listening. So thank you for that. Um, Graham, as we wrap up the, you know, almost wrap up season season two here. Would you like to add anything to what I'm saying? Uh,
0: I okay. I, had, well, that's... <laughs> <laughs> I had something on the top of my mind, and and then it it left. So again, well,
2: gravity because your head is a ovular shape. Yes, and so things can only stay on top of it for very long yes. before they tumble off
0: so like santa sleigh there's nowhere to go but up from here (laughs) or south (laughs) (laughs) no uh i mean it's not confusing at all this season has been very very fun and it is not over we've got an episode left but yes like david says we're very thankful and everybody needs to write in use that email address use a pigeon you 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 know. However, you need to get us this, but um, make sure and wish uh, Mr. David a very happy birthday. What'd you turn this year? Sixty-two.
2: Yes, sixty-two. Sixty-two. Back in my day, we used to have to walk uphill both ways. We practically turned into snowmen while we were going. swear sure we were going.
0: I like this character. I think you should do a whole episode as Old Man David.
2: Needs a better name than Old Man David, though. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) You're stuck with Old Man David. I I worked in the mines. It's like the guy at the end of the break.
0: So I went fishing. It's the old guy at the end of the street, Old Man David. You know, and you don't want to get into his yard because he'll (laughs) give it to you.
2: What? Give you what?
0: The cane, I
2: imagine. Oh, oh, yeah. (laughs) Or a good talking to. You ever let your ball fly over into my yard, you'll never get it back again. I'm losing it a little bit here. Anyway, that's probably the end of this episode. <laughs> so, uh, so for Grand Pittman, I'm David Kern. Thank you so much for listening to, to Willy Windmill. Until next time, happy reading. <laughs>